Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are welcome to visit us at 1800 Apostle Johnson Way in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And be sure to check us out at www.thefcca.org. Amen, amen. Do we not serve a wonderful God, an awesome God? Amen. Now that I um, now that I have the mic, I can only I can only imagine the choir marching down the aisle on a Sunday morning, singing "It's a Highway to Heaven." <laughs> so that's what y'all do when I'm not here. <laughs> amen. 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 Um, Before we go to our scriptures, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, dear Lord. We just thank you for this day that you have allowed each and every one of us to see. We thank you that you touched us this morning, woke us up. You gave to us the gift, the activities of our limbs. We thank you, dear Lord, that we were able to get up and come here and to gather in this place to worship you as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now, God, as we've come to this time within your service of bringing your word, we again pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing upon me, the vessel, as we bring your your word, and a fresh anointing upon the waiting congregation, and that your word will filter and sink deep into our hearts, and that you will move us, and so that when we leave from this place, we're better than we were when we entered. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let the church say, amen. Amen. Last week we started um, a new series called Letters from Jesus. And today, um, this coming out of Revelations, and we're dealing with the um, seven churches of Asia Minor. So if you would turn with me, please, to Revelation uh, chapter 2. And we're going to be beginning at verse 8. This is, of course, a letter that Jesus dictated to John while he was out on the Isle of Patmos. And this is probably the shortest letter um, that Jesus um, dictated to the seven churches. And it's to this church, Smyrna, and to the church in Philadelphia were the only two churches that were not reprimanded. They were the only two churches out of the seven that Jesus did not have a reprimand, but yet he, what he did was to encourage them and to give them praise for the suffering that they were or had been enduring for his name. And so it reads as following, and I'm coming from the NIV version. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. 
be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Let the church say amen. amen. You may be seated. So let's unpack that scripture. I want to start by just asking a question. What would you, well, not what would, would you lay down your life for Christ? Would you lay down your life for Christ? Now let me ask you this next question. Suppose you had, suppose we were living in a land or in a place where the law required that we had to forsake or deny Christ, that if we didn't, we would not have food, we wouldn't be able to have shelter, or the shelter that we do have would be taken, we wouldn't be eligible to be employed if we refused, I mean, if we did not deny him. Now, let me ask you this. Suppose the condition was, all you have to do is to deny Christ only one day out of the year, deny him one day out of the year, after that one day that you deny him, in fact, it's not even all day long, all you got to do is say three words, Caesar is Lord, and after you say those three words, you are able to Go to work because we're going to give you a certificate. You're going to keep food on the table and feed your kids. You're going to keep a roof over your head, and you'll be able to go back and worship God how you've been worshiping him. But we just need you to deny him one time, one day out of the year. That's some deep stuff, isn't it? That's what the church, the dilemma that the church of Smyrna had to face. They had to face the dilemma, the consequences of denying Jesus Christ for one day so that they can get a certificate in order to be able to work. One day, that's all they had to do. They had to make a decision if they're going to stand for Christ or if they're not. Do they deny Christ to save their lives or they disown Christ? and live, which one should they do? You can tell from the passage that they made a decision, and they chose to stand for Christ. And because they chose to stand for Christ, they suffered much. Church of Smyrna refused to even give up one day. And in, and in not giving up the one day, they suffered greatly. Now, before we really get into this passage, let's just back up a little bit. And just talk about the city of Smyrna so that we can better understand Jesus' letter. You see, the Jesus of, of, of Smyrna, I mean, pardon me, the city of Smyrna uh, was in, of course, in Asia Minor, and it's what is what's in present-day Turkey, is what we call the country of Turkey right now. And Smyrna's um, city centered was sitting up on a hill, 
It was a very majestic place. It was a very beautiful city. It was just one of those, it was just a gorgeous city. Had, had been burned down a couple of times, and each time it was, was rebuilt again. It was rebuilt better than what it was before. And so it was positioned on a hill. And as it sat on a hill, around the summit of the hill were several temples. And those temples were temples that were built to, were for pagans. They were, were for um, not, they were for false gods. They were not for the, the God that we serve, but they were false gods. And all of them circled around the summit of the hill, which gave the Im- image of a person with a head, a person's head with a crown. And so I need you to kind of remember that point because we talk about crown later on. The city sat on a hill with temples that were dedicated to pagan gods, but it looked like from a distance, it just reminded people of a person's head with a crown that was set on it. Secondly, in the city of Smyrna, it was a very large city, and it had an extremely high population of Jews. And these Jews were extremely faithful to the Roman Empire. The Jews who were not Christian, who were not Christian Jews, did not want to be associated with the Jews who gave their lives to Christ, the Jewish Christians, or what we would call them today Messianic Christians. The other, the regular Jews, did not want to be associated with those Jews. And so they did everything they could to to bad talk and to bash and to really give the Jews, uh, the, the, I would, the easier to say, the, the members who belong to the church in Smyrna, it was easy for them to persecute them and just to give them a hard way to go because they did not want to, to be associated with them at all. And so one of the charges that the Jews did against um, the Christians who were um, in, the, in the church was that they considered um, the church to be disloyal to Rome because they only worship one God. They only consider Jesus Christ to be Lord and so and not Caesar. And so they were faithful and quick to put that up to the Romans. And so the Romans eventually made it a law to worship Caesar. They eventually made it a law to worship Caesar. And once a year, every living person living in Smyrna was expected to take a pinch of incense and say out loud three words, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And once they said Caesar is Lord, they were given a certificate. And that certificate made them eligible that they could work, they could buy food, they could keep their home, they could go back to their own church. They didn't say you couldn't go to church. It just said, I just need you to say this was one day. And that they could go back to their own church and worship and praise God and do whatever they wanted to do. But this one day out of the year, they had to say, Caesar is Lord. But Smyrna, the congregation of the church of Smyrna, the members who belonged to the church in Smyrna, refused to give it up even one day. They would not even cross the line. One day, they could have kept food on the table. One day, they could have fed their children. All they had to do is say just one day. But they refused to do that. 
it caused me to pause and wonder, where is my line? Where is your line? What line would you refuse to cross? And exactly where is it? The church of Smyrna went all the way out for Christ. They just didn't budge. They suffered a lot. There's a story about one of their bishops. His name was Polycarp. Some of you who are seminarians, all you're familiar with him. He was a bishop then in Smyrna. They went looking for him because he had not confessed that Caesar was Lord. And they were saying to him, if you don't confess, we're going to take your life. They went looking for him. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers went out and got a hold of Polycarp. Polycarp said, before you take me in, I'm going to give you something to eat and give you something to drink. Just give me some time to pray. After they finished, they gathered up and they started marching in. The soldiers were so impressed with him. They disliked him. They, they were endeared by him. And they said to him, said, Polycarp, all you got to do is just one time, just one time, just say Caesar is Lord so that you can live. Just one time to say this so that your life so that your life could be spared. Polycarp said back to them, he said, for 86 years, for 86 years, I have served God, and he has done me no wrong whatsoever. How can I blaspheme him for one day? Polycarp went in, and he still refused. And they built a fire around him. And some of the same Jews who were speaking against the church of Jews, they went in and they brought sticks and wood and put it all around him to set him on fire. And that's what Jesus meant when he said the synagogue of Satan. He was talking about other Jews who were, who were betraying and who were abusing the Jews who belonged to the church in Smyrna. The story goes on that Polycarp was so confident in Jesus Christ that he was so faithful that when they went to tie him up, he said, you don't need to bother because I'm not going anywhere. And he stood in the flames while they set him afire. What kind of faith is that? To lay down your life that once did he run, not once did he give way, not once. He stayed in there. And again, that causes me to ask the question, what would I do? What would I do? I would pray that I had enough faith to withstand that. But can I truthfully say that I do? I don't know. I don't know. To be able to stand that strong. And then as we look at the scriptures, Jesus goes down and he says, I know your affliction and your poverty. And then he comes back and says, yet you are rich. I know your affliction and your poverty, yet you are rich. There are two words in the Greek language for the word poverty. One of the words simply means just getting by. That word means living from paycheck to paycheck. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? 
That one means I ain't got no money to spare for nothing else. I just got enough to make it. I usually don't have enough to pay all of my bills at the end of the month. I'm just hanging in here on a thread. I can't afford to get sick. I can't afford for the car to break down. I can't afford for nothing out of the way to happen. I can't deal with any emergencies. I just have enough to make it to the end of the month. Anybody having ever been in a position like that? I, that's all I have enough for. I can't have no hiccups. I can't have nothing happening. I can't be having any kids running around here talking about they need some shoes. I can't deal with that. Put your foot on. Suffer if it's too tight. You'll be all right. Just give me a couple more. We're going to be all right. Okay? Just act, like you, just act like you're feeling good. That's one word for poverty. The other word in the Greek that means poverty and the word that, that Jesus is using here, it means that I have absolutely nothing. I'm destitute. I don't have a little bit of food. I have no food. The house that I had, they took it. Or the house that I was renting in, I didn't have enough money to get it. It means they were absolutely destitute. They had nothing. They either had been evicted from their homes or their homes went into foreclosure. They couldn't get the required certificate because they refused to worship Caesar and insisted on following Jesus. Yet Jesus told them that they were rich. Rich. That only goes back to the word where Jesus, where we are told God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And what the world defines as rich, God does not. What the world qualifies as being rich, God does not necessarily mean that it's rich to him. The church in Smyrna has something that no man, no law, no certificate to take away from them. And what they had was a strong and deep conviction and faith in Jesus Christ. They understood that their love for Christ was greater, there's greater than their most basic needs. They had a love for Christ that was greater for the need for shelter, greater than the need for a home, greater than a need to take care of their own personal basic needs. That's how great their faith was. That's a lot for us to get our minds wrapped around. It's difficult for us to even be even to begin to, 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 to really process that because we don't live in a day like that. But that's what this church dealt with. That's what they dealt with. They knew the church in uh, the Smyrna understood something very clearly. And what they understood was the cost of grace. They understood that with grace and with salvation, Although freely given, there is a cost to it. There is a cost to it. They understood to pick up your cross to follow Jesus is going to cost you something. We might be saved, and we got it freely, but there's a price to it. And yes, Jesus paid the price on the cross, but we also have a price that we got to pay. Because grace ain't free. There is a cost that comes with it. And grace is not cheap. It doesn't cheap. It's not cheap at all. You got to pay it sometimes when you're alone at night soaking your pillow down with your tears. That's the cost of grace. Sometimes you got to sing through your pain. Sometimes you got to work through your hurt. And sometimes you got to serve even in the midst of your grief. Because when it comes to grace, it's going to cost you something. Grace doesn't always stop the gossiping and the backstabbing. 
Grace doesn't always come through and heal. Grace doesn't always bring the prodigal son home. Grace doesn't always stop the accident. It doesn't always stop the divorce. It doesn't always stop what you hope God will stop. Sometimes grace will just give you the strength to withstand the storm, but he won't stop the storm. He won't stop the storm. Grace will pull back the covers and tell you it's time to get up from your depression. It's time to put your foot, one foot in front of the other. Grace will give you what you need just to get you through the next second, the next minute, the next day. But it's going to cost you. You're going to have to get up to do something. You're going to have to decide if you really trust God and do you trust his grace even if he doesn't remove the thorn from your flesh. And that was the case for the church in Smyrna. Even if God did not remove their suffering, would they still serve him? Would they still serve him? And, and the church of Smyrna understood that. And they were willing to pay the price. And they paid it. Verse 10, Jesus said, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. He said, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Some of you wonder why you're going through what you're going through or why you've been through what you have been through. He said, you will suffer persecution for 10 days. It ain't going to last long, but it's going it's to hurt when it happens. Be faithful, but check this, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Jesus basically saying, look, it's getting ready to get tough around here. It's about to go down. It's about to get really real up in here. And then he turned, he said, and, then, and what he's saying here, some of y'all are going to jail. And some of y'all are going to die. The thing of it is, is that if you notice, not once did Jesus promise that he was going to save anybody's physical life. He didn't make that promise. He didn't say, well, I'm going to ease this suffering up on you. He didn't say I was going to take away any of that. He didn't say I was going to stop you from going to jail. He didn't say any of that. He just said, this is what's going to happen to you. He said, hang in there. Because when you come out on the other side of this, it's going to be all right. And he says, I have a crown waiting for you when you come out on the other side. Not once did he say, I'm going to stop your suffering. I think I would have to pause and raise my hand and go like, Jesus, hold up a minute. I mean, if I can be for real, for real. Because, see, you all powerful. You can do anything you want to do. Can't you just make this little process a little easier to take away? And here was the thing. Jesus knew that they, wouldn't, he, they had not forsaken him. He was praising them for it. Yet he told them, you're going to suffer, and you're going to suffer for 10 more days. What is that? I would have been one of them people. Can we have a conversation about this? Can we talk this over? <laughs> can, we, can we have a discussion? That's right, baby. <laughs> I fully agree. So Jesus said, and he doesn't change. He doesn't remove the thorn. He simply says to them, you're going to go through it, but you're going to come out on the other side. And yes, you may lose your life, 
You're going to lose this physical life, but you're not going to endure the second death. We're going to talk about that later on. You're not going to lose your life. I started thinking about this passage. I'm trying to relate it to even today. Because there's so many people who are suffering and who have suffered. And you do ask the question, God, why don't you remove this? Why don't you change this? And if I can be transparent for a moment. You know, I had a friend, not calling any names because I don't know what might be going on here on Facebook and Facebook Live and stuff. But I have a friend who coming up on a year will be gone for one year. And she, she, she was diagnosed with cancer. Went through a devastating surgery. Completely changed her physical appearance. And all through the while, she never gave up on God. Never. And I remember when the first diagnosis came before the surgery, and she and I were together, and and then we were coming out from out of the hospital, and they just told her what they were going to do, how they were going to do the surgery, and it was just blowing my mind. It, just, it was just blowing my mind. And she was just all nonchalant, and she said, come on, let's go on over to Lexington Market, get something to eat. <laughs> I'm like, who does that? Eat? I'm not going to want to eat. I'm, I'm listening to what you just said. Do you, do you understand what they say they're going to do to you? She said, yeah, but what can I do about that? So we're going up to the market because I need to pick up some stuff. <laughs> and I went up to the market. Nine years later, fast forward nine years later, because after five, you're a survivor. Nine years later, here it comes back. Less than 1% chance is to return. Do you hear what I'm saying? Less than. 1% chance it will return. And it came back raging. And took even more from her. I couldn't believe it. And I was all the time was asking, why? I didn't say it to her. I'm saying it to myself. Because, you know, you're trying to encourage them. You know what I mean? You, you're trying to front I mean, you know what I mean? You, you're trying to front because you don't, you don't want to bring them down. You, you know, and I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to know and don't have these feelings and these thoughts or the question. But this pastor was questioning because she didn't know. And you got a friend who's asking a question and she can't give her friend an answer. She can just look at her. With no answer. And so we're sitting there, and I remember one day we were just sitting up in the, in the, out in the visiting out room, and we were just looking out across the, the city, just two of us, and she couldn't talk, but we just sat there. Because you don't know where this is going to go. And at the same time, I'm saying to God, why? Wasn't the first time around bad enough? Why are we doing this again? And she never broke faith the first time. Why are we going through this? It wasn't until I started reading this, the Church of Smyrna, 
And I felt God finally answered my question. And that was when he spoke to me, he said, but she never gave up. She never lost her faith in me. That's what it means. Will you be faithful to me to the end? To the end. Will you stick with me? Even if you have to face death, even if I don't change your situation, even if you have to suffer to a degree that is unbelievable, would you still give me the glory? Give me the honor. And I can say my friend to the very end, gave God the glory. Gave God the honor. To the end. To the end. Jesus promised Church of Smyrna, he said, if you make it all the way over to the end, if you stay faithful to me, if you suffer the first death, if you go through the suffering and the pain and the persecution and the rejection, I'm going to give you the crown of life. And that's what I need you to remember when we talked about crown earlier with the church of Smyrna, I mean, where the city of Smyrna was located. He was saying to them, I'm going to give you a crown, but the crown I'm going to give you was not built by man's by hand. It was not created by man. It is not something that's sitting on a hill. I'm giving you an intangible crown. I'm giving you something that only I can give you, and that is the crown of life. In Scripture, there are five crowns. We'll talk about that on another Sunday. There are five crowns in Scripture. And one of the crowns is the crown of life and is given to those persons who persevered in faith, who faced the temptation but made it through anyway, who dealt with the trials and the tribulation, who took everything that was the enemy was big, bad enough to throw at them, and they still refused to give up and forsake Jesus Christ, they still stood there and they suffered no matter what. They stayed faithful until the very end, regardless of how much discomfort they faced. And Jesus said, because you did that, I have for you the crown of life. I know my friend right now is wearing that crown. And it's sitting on her head, and she's looking really good with it. Because she made it to the end. She made it through. So we may not suffer like the church of Smyrna did. We can come in here and, and worship freely. We can wear our cross. We can take our Bibles to work and, and open it up. And can't nobody bother you because that's your Bible. We can practice our own, how we believe, freely. But believe it or not, there are some places right now in this world where people can't do that. Right now, there are thousands of Christians who are persecuted every day because of their belief. We don't have to deal with that. But we do have to pray for those who do. But what we do deal with and face are those who are suffering in the midst of us, who are, facing, who are facing obstacles and challenges. And God has not removed the thorn, but what he has given to them was a grace to bear the thorn. If you can receive that, let's just give the Lord the greatest praise that you have.
Again, the question for us all is how far are you ready to go for Christ? What are you willing to lay down for him? You know, it could be as simple as, and some people have done this, well, they've told their employer, I can't work for you on Sunday between 11 and 2 because I got to go to church. That's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. Well, they go like, I, I, I can't do that because I, I need to be where I need to be. It's a sacrifice. When Jesus says, give up, my, give up the 10%. I got you covered. It's a sacrifice. How far are we willing to go? How far are we willing to go? If there's anyone in here who, again, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and, or maybe you're not even sure if you are saved, you're not sure that if your life were required of you today, you are not sure where you are going to be, where you will spend eternity. If you have any uncertainty whatsoever, we invite you to come down and meet with our decision counselors, and they would be more than happy to, to talk with you and to give you the assurance that you need because we want everyone in here who's under the sound of my voice to know exactly where they're going to spend eternity. If you are here, we invite you to come and meet with any of our decision counselors. If you're here and you're dealing or struggling with, a, with, with something that's challenging you, that you feel as a thorn within your side, we invite you to come and meet with a decision counselor. Something that has been bothering you and you just seem like you can't shake it. I know we have people in here who know exactly what I mean. Anybody in here who ever been through that phase where it just felt like it was just something on you and you just couldn't get rid of it? We invite you to come. Salvation's in the house, restoration, and church membership and baptism is always available. So first, Christian, do what we do sometimes. I need you to minister to the persons around you. Check with them and see where they are and invite them down if they need any assistance. Amen. All is well. All is well? All is well? Amen. Let us pray. You can remain in position. You can God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to, to share your word. We pray, Father, that it gives us all something to think on. That it will allow us to go into the depths of our souls and to show, to reveal to us who we really are and how you really see us. So I pray, Father, that as we go and, and as you reveal and uncover, God, that we make whatever changes that need to be made, but we're going to need your help to do it. So we ask for your guidance. We ask for your strength. Now, Father, as we leave from this place of corporate worship, I pray that you'll be with each and every soul who is in here. And as we leave from this place and, and go out to our destination, I pray that we carry your light, 
and that we'll be a word to the persons or people that we come in contact with, and that we'll be a blessing to show that we can tell every man and woman and child who's around that there is a God. There's a God who loves us like a love that we've never known before. So now I thank you. Bless these, your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the church say, amen. Amen.